Welcome to The Alchemy of Things, a podcast diving deep into topics like skincare, holistic living, and the energy that connects us all. I'm your host, Brandy Searcy, founder and formulator of Rain Organica, where you'll find skincare you can take with you anywhere. Today, we're mixing things up just a little bit by starting out with the Intune segment before launching into today's episode. Looking out the second floor office window, movement caught my eye from below. I looked down to see a stream of leaves passing between the office buildings. And then my brain reminded me that it was March and not fall. Upon closer look, I realized it wasn't leaves at all. It was butterflies. A whole swarm of painted lady butterflies was passing through the concrete city. The painted lady butterfly migration of 2019 was the first one I'd known about. I had no idea that these butterflies made an annual passage along the coast of California and northwards and are actually common throughout the United States. While the butterflies feed on a variety of flowering plants, I've most noted them and most closely associate them with Pride of Madeira. If you're in a region of the country where you're not familiar with these particular flowers, if you know what a lupine is, these are the Dr. Seuss version of a lupine. Gigantic with these massive purple flower spikes growing on huge bushes. Prides of Madeira are easily overhead high, especially when they have flower spikes on them. And here in where I'm at in California, they typically bloom or start to bloom in March, except for this year. The Prides of Madeira have started blooming quite late this year. And this is the topic of today's In Tune segment. Is spring early or late where you are? Here in Southern California, it definitely feels a bit late. I'd noticed it with the jasmine that commonly starts to bloom in late January, early February. And I dismissed it because that particular plant that I keep an eye on is pretty new and maybe hasn't quite gotten accustomed to where it's living now. However, the Prides of Madeira that I pay attention to have been in place for far longer than I've lived here. So over five years at this point, and this is the first year they've bloomed so late. I haven't yet seen a single painted lady butterfly in 2021. It's not to say that they aren't late in migrating too this year. If you noticed an early spring or a late spring where you are, would you share that? You can send me an email at info at rainorganica.com and you can always reach out to me via direct message on Instagram and also on Pinterest. What's the difference between rose water and rose hydrosol? Rose water is distilled or deionized water that's infused with rose essential oils and rose absolutes to give it that signature fragrance. On the other hand, rose hydrosol is rose distillate, the water-soluble fraction collected during the production of rose essential oils. Did that clear things up? Let's talk about how essential oils are made and then get over into this question about what the difference is between a rose water or floral water and a hydrosol. For the purpose of today's episode, we'll stick with 
the use of rose throughout, but just know that as we're talking about hydrosols and floral waters, you can pretty much substitute any flower that you want to into that uh, conversation. So rose petals are collected and placed into a still. We're going to walk through this piece by piece and talk about exactly what a still is. So a still consists of a pot for boiling, and oftentimes that includes a mesh separator, basically to keep the plant pieces from settling to the bottom of the pot and burning onto the bottom of it. So this mesh separator would be suspended within the pot, and on the top of the pot is a lid with a hole in it. In that hole sits a heat exchanger. So a heat exchanger is a long tube that has coils running through it and typically cold water is running through those coils and what this does is it helps steam convert back into liquid so we'll talk we'll talk through this this will become more clear as we talk about exactly how essential oils are made or exactly how they're isolated from the plant parts so Above the heat exchanger or at the end of the heat exchanger, so opposite from where we have our boiling pot, is a collection vessel. And that collection vessel collects all of the condensed steam that's, again, converted from steam back into liquid in the heat exchanger. So rose petals are placed either directly into the boiling pot or onto that mesh drainer or separator. And then deionized water is filled into the pot and it's filled up to the level so that it's fully covering all of those rose petals. And then um, the water is brought to a boil. And as the steam passes through those petals and as the petals steep in the water, the volatile components within the petals are carried along with the steam into the heat exchanger. This rose-infused steam then condenses inside the heat exchanger and is collected in the collection vessel. At the end of distillation, the collection vessel contains both a layer of rose essential oil, which is hydrophobic, also known as a lipophilic layer, meaning that it's oil-soluble, and it lies on top of the rose distillate. The rose distillate is more commonly known as rose hydrosol, and this is on the bottom layer of the collection vessel, and it lies on the bottom because it is water. So it's all of that steam minus the essential oil fraction. And again, because the density of water is heavier or higher than the density of oil, the essential oils float on top and the hydrosol itself is on the bottom. So within this collection vessel, that essential oil layer is split and bottled separately from the rose distillate or the rose hydrosol. And that rose hydrosol is bottled separately and of course is bottled as rose hydrosol. The essential oil contains volatile oil-soluble compounds from the rose petals and the hydrosol contains volatile water-soluble compounds from the rose petals. So did you see that difference there? The essential oil had, holds onto the oil-soluble compounds and these are the volatile, meaning that they, um, they are readily given off. So they have a low vapor pressure, they're what contributes to the smell. They're the aromatic compounds and they're the oil-soluble aromatic compounds within the rose petals. Whereas the hydrosol contains the water-soluble aromatic compounds from the rose petals. For roses, 
steam distillation yields about 0.02% essential oil and roughly equal weight of rose hydrosol. So for five pounds of rose petals that are steam distilled, about five pounds of rose hydrosol are collected at the end of distillation. Other names for rose hydrosol are rose hydrolat and rose essential water. The rose hydrosol contains about 0.02% to 0.05% of aromatic compounds. So it's very dilute compared with essential oils, which are essentially pure aromatic compounds. Because the aromatic compounds in the rose hydrosol are so dilute, hydrosols are extremely mild and they can be used undiluted on your skin. You may be wondering where absolutes and concretes come into this. So we're going to round out this part of the discussion before we move on into rose water. In the essential oil and hydrosol distillation that we just talked about, water acts as the solvent. So water is the solvent or the carrier that is pulling all of those aromatic compounds out of the rose petals and carrying it with them. And then basically what happens is the, because the, some of the aromatic compounds are oil soluble rather than water soluble. Once those reach the collection vessel, those then separate into that essential oil layer and the water layer, just because the, those essential oils aren't soluble with the water. They're still carried along by it in the process. So water is still acting as the, as the solvent, but they're not soluble in it. So I guess technically water is more of a carrier in this case. When that solvent or carrier is any compound other than water, we enter the space of absolutes, concretes, and resins. So how is an aromatic concrete made? Concretes are made by soaking fresh plant material. So that's either the petals, the buds, the stems, the roots, or the peel of the plant in an organic solvent. And when I say organic here, I don't mean certified organic. I mean organic as in the molecule itself contains carbon. Common solvents are ethanol, so think vodka, hexane, and ethyl acetate. At the end of the soak time, the petals are strained from the rest of the mixture and the solvent, okay, I say petals, but the plant material is strained from the rest of the mixture and the solvent is removed from the liquid mixture through vacuum distillation. So vacuum distillation, it while it looks similar to that steam distillation process, it's quite different. In vacuum distillation, essentially no heat, or rather very low heat, is used to keep the material from freezing during vacuum distillation. It's still carried out at or below room temperature. And this prevents the volatile aromatic compounds from being pulled into the distillate itself. So basically what we're doing during, in this case, is we're separating the solvent from the aromatic compounds. When we were doing steam distillation, we were relying on the water or the steam itself to carry the aromatic compounds with it over into the collection vessel. And in this case, what we're doing is retaining those aromatic compounds separately from the solvent itself. We're trying to pull the solvent off and just leave those aromatic compounds behind. So the solvent by itself is collected as the distillate in a separate vessel. And what's left behind are all the aromatic compounds and they're in that main vessel. 
And generally this is quite a waxy substance and it's very nearly solid. And sometimes it is actually pretty close to solid, especially at room temperature below. And for this reason, they're called a concrete. Now, resinoids are made using dried plant material rather than fresh plant material. Otherwise, they're, the process for making it is exactly as I just explained for making a concrete. So if fresh plant material is used, it's called a concrete. If dried plant material is used, it's called a resinoid. So how is an absolute made? An absolute is made by using the concrete or the resinoid and then dissolving it in alcohol, specifically ethanol. So any undissolved solid or waxy material is separated from the liquid portion after, after uh, that waxy material is mixed with the ethanol. And then the liquid portion is subjected to vacuum distillation to pull off the ethanol. And that leaves behind the absolute. So the absolutes are more refined concretes or resinoids, and they tend to be liquid once that alcohol is pulled away from them. Absolutes are generally thick, flowable liquids, kind of like molasses, and they may be a little bit thinner. In some cases, absolutes are sold in a carrier to help them flow better. And typically, when I say carrier, I'm talking a carrier oil here, such as jojoba, to help them flow better. And a few absolutes are solid at room temperature, and vanilla is one of the most notable examples of that. It takes about 3,000... 750 pounds of rose petals to create one pound of rose essential oil. By comparison, it takes about 400 pounds of rose petals to create a pound of rose concrete. Even if the yield in creating the absolute from the concrete is only about 50%, rose absolute still requires much less petals to create than a rose essential oil does. And that's why if you've ever taking a look at prices, the price difference between a rose absolute and a rose essential oil, that's where the price difference is coming from because it takes less petals to create that absolute than it does the essential oil. Okay, so circling back around to the topic of today's episode, how do you make rose water? And again, you can substitute rose for floral water here. So rose water is made by adding rose absolute and maybe just a little bit of rose essential oil to plain distilled water. This may also be plain deionized water, either one. Even though the rose absolute and rose essential oil are oily, they still have a very, they're still very sparingly soluble in water. And that solubility is enhanced by shaking it. So oftentimes these mixtures are shaken. I've read up to a few days to get them to completely disperse into the water. And that shaking process just gets the essential oils broken up into small, into tiny little droplets that are then able to be and remain suspended in the water itself. So what about the composition of the rose essential oil, rose absolute and rose hydrosol? Well, the composition varies and the ratios of compounds in each of these is of great interest, both for perfumery and also for skincare. In one study, Rose Absolute was found to contain higher levels of beta carotene and the vitamin E tocopherols, alpha and gamma tocopherol, compared with the essential oil and the hydrosol. 
Rose Absolute and Rose Essential Oil both contain high levels of phenolic compounds, which are naturally occurring oil-soluble antioxidants. So which is better for your skin? Rose Hydrosol and Rose Floral Water are both renowned for softening skin and diminishing the appearance of pores. In both Rose Hydrosol and Rose Floral Water, exhibit anti-inflammatory properties. Because essential oils are sparingly soluble in water, the floral waters are also very dilute, which makes them less likely to cause any adverse reaction than, for instance, if you were to take rose essential oil and add it directly to a carrier oil like jojoba, where you can make up a more concentrated mix pretty easily than you can just because of the essential oils sparing solubility in water. So which is better? Well, hydrosols fuse aromatherapy with herbalism, consisting of both the water-soluble fragrance compounds and also other water-soluble compounds from the petals. Hydrosols often maintain a more herbaceous aroma with a bit of crisp earthiness than their floral water counterparts. Because of their skin benefits and no known risk of causing skin sensitivities, hydrosols are widely used in Rainorganica's facial products. You can find rose hydrosol in all of the essential product collection at Rainorganica, and Light Mist Toner in particular exhibits a fabulous natural fragrance that's imparted by both the rose and the cucumber hydrosol that it contains. If you'd like to try a rose floral water, you can pick up Rain Organica's Rose Water Mist, which is laden with rose floral water. This mist is more fragrant and it's intended to be used as a body and a hair mist. You'll likely notice an instant softness when you spray it onto your hair or body. You can use rose water mist as a linen spray and it works great for misting towels and pillowcases. Rose water mist is a limited release by Rain Organica being released just in time for Mother's Day. So be sure to pick one up as quickly as possible if you'd like to try it. Do you know somebody who might enjoy this episode? If so, go ahead and send them the link to this podcast from your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to rainorganica.com slash blogs slash podcast and just send them the link for that site. And then they can click on today's episode and listen straight from the site if they wish. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. All right. Until next time. Bye.